you know, Unchi Maka is my relative. This is not just like dirt and water and land. Unchi Maka, Grandmother Earth, is my relative. And so often when we get into these spaces and we really fight for, um, you know, our water and our clean air and people say, well, y'all are just so emotional. Like we need to take the emotions out of it. Like that's not the way that we look at it. Um, you know, we, we really fight for uh, the clean water in a way that is fighting for our relatives. Hello, welcome to the Friends of the Boundary Waters podcast. I'm Chris Knopp, the Friends Executive Director. We have been the leading voice for the Boundary Waters for more than 40 years. And through this podcast, we bring together people who share a love of this incredible wilderness. Today on our podcast, I'm joined by Native American leaders, Minnesota Senator Mary Kunish and Minnesota Representative Heather Keeler. They will share their reflections on Indigenous Peoples Day their work to protect the boundary waters and clean water, and their experience as Native women in the Minnesota legislature. Again, thank you for joining us. So two days ago, Monday, October 11th, uh, was Indigenous uh, Peoples Day, and, and President Biden uh, issued a proclamation recognizing uh, uh, October 11th as Indigenous Peoples Day. So, so we have uh, 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 a real opportunity here to reflect on the importance of, of of clean water with uh, Senator Mary Kunish of New Brighton and State Representative Heather Keeler of, uh, of Moorhead. Uh, uh, Senator uh, Kunish is, is from uh, uh, Standing Rock Sioux uh, ancestry and, and Heather Keeler is a role member of the Yankton, Yankton Sioux tribe. Uh, and so this, this importance of uh, the indigenous perspective on, on our work uh, is is uh, for the, for the boundary waters especially important since we are in the the ceded territories under under the 1854 treaty. We recognize that there's a history that that long predates uh, European settlement of, of Minnesota that we need to to recognize, respect, and incorporate in, into our, our work here. So the, I'm going to kick off the, this conversation here with with a question for both Senator Kunish and, and Representative Keeler, and I'll have Senator Kunish go first. Why don't you uh, speak a little bit more about about your background and why you ran for the Minnesota legislature and and your your work that you that you're doing on on clean water issues for for uh, for all of us. So thank you. Please go ahead. Matakiape, I am. Excuse me, State Senator Mary Kunish. I represent District 41, which includes the communities of St. Anthony Village and New Brighton, Columbia Heights and Hilltop, Fridley, and a little bit of Spring Lake Park. I just completed my first year in the Senate, having served four years in the Minnesota House in uh, representing District 41B. I also um, retired just almost a year ago from full-time teaching. I had uh, been a library media specialist for close to 25 years. And so, you know, it's it was kind of bittersweet this fall not to be returning back to school and getting my library in order and connecting with the staff and the kids. But um, it certainly has allowed more opportunity for me to participate in activities like this. I was um, born in St. Paul, raised in Sartell, where uh, right, right where the Mississippi and the Wateb Creek meet. And so, um, you know, growing up in rural Minnesota like that, it was actually just a little village when I was growing up. 
uh, nothing like it is now. We had the the run of the land, you know, the farmland, the um, creek and the river and the woods that we played in. And those sort of opportunities certainly are what, you know, kind of is the core of my my work when I'm trying to preserve the, the you know, our environment, not just where I represent, but across uh, this beautiful state of Minnesota. And so that's that. Those are the kind of things that I have been working on. Um, I have uh, worked and supported a lot of work for different environmental issues, uh, but also for our Native American communities. In 2019, I was able to pass the um, the very unique and comprehensive Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force. And we completed that within two uh, years, 18 months actually, and shared that report this past uh, December with the state legislature. And then uh, partnering up with uh, Representative Keeler, we proposed uh, continuing legislation to create a permanent missing and murdered indigenous relatives office in our state government. And lo and behold, we were successful and we are the first in the nation. We, we were the first in the nation to create um, the, the, the comprehensive task force that we did. We were first in the nation to create a permanent full funded missing and murdered indigenous relatives office. And then uh, understanding the complexity and the intersectionality of other communities of color. We also, um, along with Representative Ruth Richardson in the House, passed the first in the nation missing and murdered African-American uh, uh, task force. And I, I don't think I have to tell this audience uh, how environmental issues have had negative uh, effects on our communities of color. And so with those sort of things in, in, in my world and the connections that I have made, um, I am absolutely proud to be able to support the, the legislation like Prove It First and also to be a friend of the Boundary Waters and all of you. Thank you. Great, thank you so much, uh, Senator Kunish and uh, uh, Representative Keeler, if you provide some, some more about your background as well. Sure, thanks for having me here today. Um, my name is Heather Keeler. I'm an enrolled member of the Hunkdawan Nation, which is the Yankton Sioux tribe down in South Dakota with lineage to Eastern Shoshone. Um, as um, a lot of you may know, we can have two bloodlines, but we're only eligible for enrollment in one. Um, so I feel like I always have to mention the Eastern Shoshone side of me because that's my mom's side um, and that makes up the entire person who I am. So. That's me. Um, I serve and represent District 4A, which actually sits on the Treaty of Traverse of 1851, uh, which the really cool part about that to me um, and why I thought it was important for me to step up and serve in this capacity is because um, growing up as an Indigenous woman and as an Indigenous girl living off the reservation, I didn't see people who looked like me. Um, I tell this story a lot, like I didn't see teachers who look like me anywhere I went to the doctor, to the bank, to the grocery store, like I just didn't see um, people who looked like me. And subliminally, that tells us that we don't belong in those spaces. 
And so we felt that we saw that we knew that um, it's really interesting because I didn't vote until my mid 20s because nobody really talked to me about getting involved. Um, my messaging to me all through K-12 was because you're Indian, you're going to be dumb at math. You're not going to go to college, just go work at a casino, um, you know, all of these things. And so subliminally, it just always told me um, I wasn't really going to belong. And then as I started working in Indian education and sitting in living rooms and really listening to families, um, I knew that the things that me and my family grew up uh, struggling with were something that a lot of people were dealing with. Um, and we just wanted to be heard and we wanted to be seen and valued and appreciated. Um, and we wanted to feel like we actually belonged in our communities. And so um, in 2019, uh, I don't take know very well for an answer we asked to put indigenous people's day on the calendar for our school district and they said no we're not going to do that like we'll only do that if the city recognizes it um so i figured out how to get on the human rights commission and in my first meeting and senator kunish knows me well enough that like it doesn't take me very many meetings to get comfortable to say like why aren't we doing this so my first meeting i said i think we need to present this to city council and we ended up passing indigenous people's day um, and in that I, I brought about a hundred people with me to city hall and it wasn't because I wanted it to make us against them. Like often when indigenous people show up to represent something that we care about, it's met with a lot of force because of this us against them mentality. Um, but I brought a lot of our community to that event because I wanted people to see what change looked and felt like when we did it collectively as a community. Um, and that was kind of my first, like, even step into any type of community leadership. I've always been just a grassroots effort type of a girl. Um, so when I was in grad school, I did talking circles in my community about the barriers in education and learned that representation matters and people need to see people who look like us. And that was the same thing that I felt. And so when the one Ben Lean um, announced his retirement, I just decided my community deserves options. Um, they didn't have to vote for me, but they, I at least felt like my community deserved a choice and an option of one, a female, but also a minority. Um, and so I went and through the endorsement process, the primary and the general, and I just got done serving my first uh, session in the Minnesota House. Great, thanks for, thanks for outlining your journey there, uh, Representative uh, Keeler. Uh, so President uh, Biden uh, issued a proclamation recognizing Indigenous Peoples Day. And, and so Senator Kunish, what, what does that mean when the, the president, you know, issued that proclamation, you know, from the, the nation's highest office in the land? Did that, why don't you, you have, uh, what did that mean to you? Well, it certainly means that um, nationally, we are starting to recognize the historic uh, trauma and genocide that our American Indian people have uh, suffered these hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's, it's raising, uh, it helps to raise the consciousness of uh, today's struggles for our tribal members, our, um, our community members, and those across the nation. But it really, what it also does is that with that acknowledgement, it, it shows that we, um, 
the president and the federal government is now starting to acknowledge their role in, in what has been um, terrible disparities for our American Indian communities. And it's going to allow for um, groundwork, for the groundwork so that we can uh, continue to do the work that maybe we've begun here in Minnesota for our native folks and organize those efforts uh, between our, 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 um, our state and federal level and center those resources that have been withheld for so long um, to the needs of our native community. And I think having uh, native women or native people, because there's plenty of men that are serving uh, in the Biden administration as well as other levels, but having somebody like um, the Secretary of the Interior there to advocate and give uh, that perspective, share the lens of the, the indigenous people across the nation to some of the head decision makers in our country, the, you know, those that make policy, that change policy. And so in a way, I feel like uh, his announcement certainly, you know, made us all very proud and recognizes that that we have a voice in the decision making because we're we're starting to rise up more and more we're winning more and more battles uh, when it comes to policy and finances and uh you know hopefully we will see the brutalization of our indigenous people through um lack of policy and, and, and uh, investment, but also violence against our native communities, uh, the poor infrastructure on reservations and that sort of thing. So I think it just really um, makes me proud and, and happy that he did that. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's taken till what, 2021 for a president to acknowledge that, but it's, it's, it's a start. And it's a, it's a win for us. And um, I hope to see more and more come out of the Biden, Biden administration uh, when it comes to positive change and reformation for our indigenous communities. Thank you, Senator Kunish and Representative Teeler. So you battled at the, the local level trying to get the Indigenous Peoples Day recognized and now uh, President Biden has issued his proclamation. What did it mean for the president to to uh, to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day for you. I think first it's important to understand kind of what a proclamation is. It's like a statement of support, um, you know, or it's a statement of celebration. It's this. I think we got it. We found out about it days before Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, we've done them, you know, here in Minnesota with our governor as well. And I do think that it's a good first step. I agree with everything that Senator Kunish said. We have a long ways to go. It's really mm -hmm. interesting, right? That like we can make a statement that a proclamation that we care about Indigenous Peoples Day, yet there's a lot of concerns that we've been trying to get attention on because it's impacting our communities and they fall on deaf ears. So, you know, it's we can't be that contradicting and we can't say that Indigenous Peoples Day is about understanding and really engaging and implementing a change in your community and your region and your nation. And I just think that lip service is one thing and you're right, we're moving in the right direction because we're acknowledging it and we're calling it out, but this comes with a lot of actions. And so what I hope it does, um, you know, is it starts, it's the line in the sand that we're gonna start to move forward. Um, and, and one of the things here at the local level, cause that's what we do in our seats. Um, 
I think it's easy for us as state legislators to think like on a national level, how could we get involved? We really tried to do that with line three. But at the end of the day, you know, our voters put us in these seats in the state. And so um, we're actually in the process of developing a bill here in Minnesota that will make Indigenous Peoples Day a traditionally recognized holiday in the state. I'll carry it in the House. Um, and Senator Kunish obviously has agreed to carry it <laughs> in the Senate. Um, and we'll do this work together um, because I think it's important, especially in Minnesota, that we really lead the way um, and have our own uh, statutes and, you know, by law this day for moving forward. Because proclamations, if a new governor or president come in, then it's like they don't do it that year and it's not a big deal. It's an option. Um, and we want to make this something more permanent. That's an excellent point that you would needing to move uh, from words to action and, and that, you know, there's a, a real limit to, to words and and, and uh, what Senator Kunis said about the the importance of uh, putting resources behind it, you know, both, you know, real personnel, real, real money behind it, because uh, otherwise they're empty promises and and, uh, uh, and and things don't change. You know, we just have uh, uh, empty words out there. Um, Turning turning to clean water here, and uh, uh, Senator Kunish, you you talked a little bit about why clean water is important to you, and 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 uh, when you were growing up, your your love of the outdoors. There, would you would you talk a little bit more about about the importance of clean water to you, and how it's kind of informed your work in the the Minnesota legislature? Oh, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I grew up in Sartell, just eight miles north of St. Cloud, where the Mississippi River and the Watab Creek met. And when I was a little girl, I mean, we spent our summer playing in the creek, um, playing in the river, catching crayfish, um, you know, all sorts of adventures. That's where we learned to swim. And there came the day that uh, my dad said that we could not play in the water anymore. Uh, we were surrounded by, by farms and uh, the runoff from not only the, uh, the manure and the fields and the, the chemicals that were being used back in the 60s and, and early 70s um, was affecting the creek. And there were high contents of pollutants in, in the creek. And then of course there was the Mississippi River and right in Sartell, there was a paper mill uh, St. Regis paper mill and a big dam. And there were days that that paper mill would just release the most noxious water right into the Mississippi, directly into the Mississippi. And if the dam was open, there would be this foam from the churning water that would just, you know, foam up like, like two, three, four stories high in when it was yellow and I mean, it was so obvious that the pollutant was there. Uh, there was also a foundry, the Desserts Foundry in Sartell, that was um, spewing, you know, quite, you know, polluted um, uh, uh, smoke and air into the air. And so, while we lived in this very rural area, all around us were these pollutants. And uh, when my dad said that we couldn't, you know, be in the water anymore, it was a really harsh reality. And, uh, you know, thankfully, the U.S. Congress passed the Clean Air Act in 1972, 
uh, ensuring that we were going to protect and, and maintain the chemical, the physical, the biological integrity of our nation's water. So this wasn't just a Minnesota thing. And um, it, it has made a big difference on our nation's water and our water here in Minnesota. But let's you know, really be clear that clean water is absolutely vital to our health. It's um, vital to our communities and to our uh, economy. Uh, part of my district has the Mississippi River uh, running through it. And anything that happens upstream is going to affect my communities down here, all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. So the health of the rivers and the lakes, um, the, uh, the streams, our fragile wetlands, those are all vital to the future. And so it's so important that we continue to do what we can to um, protect that water for clean water for, for drinking. Um, and, the, you know, Minnesota is, you know, where their economy is based on tourism, especially up north. So our cherished way, uh, way of life, going to the cabin, um, getting out into nature to hike and bike and uh, canoe through the boundary waters, all of those depend on clean water on a healthy, healthy ecosystem um, to provide that for not just us, but for wildlife habitat. Uh, we've seen across the state, different uh, creeks or rivers that have been so polluted that the fish you know, die away or frogs are found with more than four legs and double heads and those sort of things. So absolutely our future, our economy um, depends on the clean water. And if we don't stand up and fight for that alongside with all of you, um, we are we will be doomed and we won't have a clean uh, a world to, to leave for the next seven generations of, of our um, of our of the future children and, and families. Thank, thank you, Senator Kunish. You raised such a good point there that water really is the, the critical resource. People talk about critical minerals and things like that, but but it, it, certainly this past year where we've seen droughts across the country and the importance of, of clean water that here uh, critical Clean water is the critical resource, and and if we lose that, then we then we're really really sunk here. Uh, Representative Keeler, would you talk about the importance of clean water? To yes, water is water is life. Thank you, thank you, uh, Kirsten, for for that. Yeah. So uh, Heather, would you talk about the importance of clean water in the, in the work that you do? Sure, I think clean water is connected to. Um, a lot of other things for me. Um, as an Indigenous person, I understand the responsibility and our impact on seven generations. And just for people to understand, like seven generations, an average generation is 25 years. For seven generations, I mean, we're looking at 175 to 200 years worth of impact. And so what we do today or what we don't do today impacts almost 200 years worth of our relatives. We are here, um, you know, understanding and really fighting for treaties and treaty understanding and treaty responsibility because to us, the foundation of, of treaties are, are being good neighbors to each other. Not only good neighbors to each other, like geographically, like, hey, you're my physical neighbor, but 
um, being a good neighbor and a good relative to our kids, their kids, their kids, it's kids, your kids, your kids, it's kids, like all the kids, seven generation. But also, you know, Unchi Maka is my relative. This is not just like dirt and water and land. Unchi Maka, Grandmother Earth is my relative. And so often when we get into these spaces and we really fight for, um, you know, our water and our clean air and people say, well, y'all are just so emotional. Like we need to take the emotions out of it. Like that's not the way that we look at it. Um, you know, we, we really fight for uh, the clean water in a way that is fighting for our relatives. Um, and so to me, that's why it's important. Um, I grew up understanding water was one of those elements that the government really fought us for. Um, you know, I grew up along the Missouri River and in the state of South Dakota, a lot of the dams in the 50s were built on reservations and reservations were, were the spaces that they sent all of us because they were identified as unusable land. If you look at most reservations, that's um, kind of what we ended up getting. And so I remember my grandma telling me about their fight, you know, to stop the Army Corps of Engineers from flooding out these areas to build dams because they were flooding out some of our most sacred burial grounds. Um, and their response was like, well, we'll just move them. We'll just move the burial grounds. Um, and I feel like, you know, my mom was an active part of AIM and they fought for a lot of social justice and environmental justice rights. And then now it's just my turn to step into that space um, to be a voice, you know, in the path of all the generations to protect our water and protect our relatives. I'm a friend. I'm a friend. I'm a friend. We're friends. We're friends. Do you want to be a friend of the Boundary Waters? Join the movement to fight for clean water and help foster the next generation of BWCA enthusiasts today. Connect with us, donate, and learn more about membership at friends-bwca.org. Thank you so much, Representative Keeler, to talk about the, that that connectivity and that responsibility that extends beyond the moment to, to seven generations. One of the things that as an organization we've been proud to work on with, with both of you uh, is the, the Prove It First bill. And the, the Prove It First bill is, 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 is part of that promise to, to, the, to the seven generations. And that, that, that law, if it passes, would simply require an applicant for one of these sulfide mines to prove that it has been done safely elsewhere in the country for, for at least 10 years and that, that that type of mine has been closed for 10 years without causing pollution. And, if that if that can't if that demonstration can't be made, then then uh, that type of mine isn't uh, can't be can't be uh, built here in Minnesota. That we shouldn't be a, a guinea pig here. It's a, a very a very simple uh, uh, legislation. And and uh, you know, Representative Keeler, would you talk about your support for for Prove It First and why it's important to you? Um, well, kind of what we've been saying and what the theme is, is that it's it's our responsibility to be a voice and protect our water and protect our relatives. And um, you know, I live on the total opposite side of the state, um, but I, I do know that this whole entire community and this whole state and region appreciates and loves our water. And the thing that I like most after talking to Senator McEwen about um, the Prove It First bill was the fact that, um, you know, it, there, you, you're all fighting for this one area of the state, but if we start to allow these types of um, processes to happen, 
uh, whether it's pipelines, whether it's mining, you know, whatever it is, if we don't have these safe standards and nets set up now, it's, things are just going to get out of control. And it can be in my community, it can be in your community, it can be in any of our communities. Um, and so that's the one thing that we're really trying to do is to set up those policy areas that are really setting us up to, to do the work that some people say we really care about. We can say that we care about clean air and we can say that we care about it. Um, we talk about being a carbon neutral state quite a bit, but yet there's no policies that even make permits go through an assessment process to see what a carbon impact would be. Um, and so that's the things that I really appreciate about the language is that we're actually doing research to see how can this be done in a safe way? And then also how can it shut down and stay shut down? Because we know that elements live in soil even after buildings are long gone. Um, and so just making sure that we're setting up those safeguards in our state is what I believe my constituents and people across the state are hoping and needing us to do. Thank, thank you, Representative Keeler. It, it, it is true that we're all connected here and that uh, and we're so grateful that as a, a representative of, of Moorhead, you're also a representative of the entire state and take that that shared responsibility so 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 seriously here. And uh, uh, Senator uh, Kunish, if you uh, talk about your support for Proof at First as well. I'm happy to do that, and I'm happy to support this this bill. I, you know, we we tout it as such a common sense bill, and it it, it makes perfect sense that um, anything that that would not only harm the boundary waters because it's right there on the edge of the boundary waters uh, canoe area, but anything that has the potential again to to affect our water and our lands. Uh, you know, moving south from there, absolutely we should be requiring uh, proof of uh, safety and uh, remitigation afterwards for sure. Again, we are dealing just like with um, the Enbridge pipeline, we are dealing with uh, foreign entities, uh, multinational corporations that are coming, uh, that are here in Minnesota, and want to do their business here in Minnesota, far from any of the responsibility or um, direct consequences of any kind of mishap. And they're asking us, they're telling us, you know, don't worry, we got this, just trust us. We, 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 we've done this in other places and it hasn't had, you know, uh, negative effect. I think uh, they said they have a, a zero discharge mine that um, doesn't pollute the water system, and but they aren't able to prove it. And they have to prove it to us in Minnesota. And they don't have to prove it to us in Minnesota for one year, two years, but they have to prove, you know, in longevity that there is not a compromise to the um, the uh, lack of pollution within the process that they're doing it. And so, um, you know, I just, I'm generally an optimistic person. Um, I generally trust people with their words, but if in the last five years, one thing I've learned is that we, we can't do that, especially when it's something as important as our environment. And, you know, the very, very, very precious um, boundary water canoe area and those communities around it. 
And so uh, if they're not going to offer any proof, if Twin Metals is not going to step up and offer any proof and say, we got it, we're going to do the best that we can, um, I don't think that's enough. That absolutely is not enough. And so if, if this is going to be the future, if we are going to allow entities like this to come into Minnesota and uh, operate something as, as um, precarious as copper, copper sulfide mining, uh, we have to make sure that there is no question in how it is done and how um, it is going to uh, allow for the safety and the health uh, of our future environment here in Minnesota. And I, I think it's a perfectly reasonable, uh, not only request, but demand. And I think we ought to, you know, certainly codify these kind of things, these kind of protections within our state statutes so that those that would like to come to Minnesota and do this kind of work realize that we mean business and we're not just Minnesota nice we're gonna we're going to um, take you at your word because we have seen um, that is not the case time and time again and if you especially look at uh, you know what has been done to the reservations and our Indian folks, the state government, the federal government, all these years have said not to worry, we will take care of you, we will provide all the things that you need for a good positive life. And then, um, you know, the rug just pulled out from underneath them. So uh, I absolutely believe that this prove it first legislation um, needs to be passed and we need to apply it in so many different ways. Thank you, Senator Kunish. You, you raised a number of really important points there that these sort of uh, uh, promises that nothing nothing bad will happen here. It's it's really uh, that the track record of uh, Glencore that owns uh, Polymet and, and Anifagasta that owns Twin Metals is just terrible that that these are, are, are bad corporate actors that have left a, a path of destruction and uh, and child labor overseas of, of, uh, of destroying uh, 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 communities in their, or in their home countries in Chile. It's, it's just a, these are truly bad actors and to try to rely on their, their empty promises is, is just a dangerous, a dangerous thing to, to allow these bad actors to come into to, to Minnesota here. Uh, Representative Taylor, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, what can uh, non-Native people do to, uh, uh, to uh, support Native perspectives? What, what, there's a, a question that was asked by one of our, our audience participants here. And uh, what, what, what uh, message do you have for, for non-Native people in, in, in working with, with Native people here? Um, I think that's a loaded question. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways and it depends on how you wanna work on things. It, it, to me, um, the bottom line is always genuine effort and allyship. Um, you know, allyship is just one thing, you know, to say like, I'm an ally, I stand with you, basically to me says, you're not gonna like stand in my way. You're not gonna prevent me from you know, having the rights that I feel like we deserve, we have. But um, really being mindful and genuine in your action too. Um, you know, show up in the spaces that are really difficult, you know, engage to learn more. You know, we know that our K-12 setting has failed us dramatically when it comes to understanding the indigenous culture and the land in which all of you are standing on. 
Um, so, you know, we can blame a system all we want, but we know that. But there's a lot of opportunities to learn and grow and be in community. Um, the one thing is, is that I know from talking to non-natives, they feel like powwows or events are like not open to non-natives. And, and what I can tell you is that we welcome relationships. We're a relational community. And so, um, you know, to me, it's about building relationships and really finding a niche where there's a need um, because we make up 1% of this entire nation. Um, we talked about this when we were talking about murdered and missing indigenous women years ago, is that even if 100% of the Native American population stands up and screams as loud as we possibly can, we're still really easily swept under the rug because we're only 1%. And so amplifying the voices, um, you know, being, being in space and not taking over space, you know, amplifying the leaders and the grassroots organizers, maybe they don't have all the fancy degrees that some of y'all have, but that doesn't mean that they don't understand the issues. Um, elevate them, elevate the youth, uh, really engage and, and talk to the youth that you're involved in in your community and help them understand <laughs> that they have a path to leadership too, that their voice matters. Um, I think those are some of the things that, that we can get involved in, but then also have grace with us as a community. Um, we're, not, we're not at the same space as a lot of people are. If we look at the pattern of what, you know, our universities were being built at the exact same time that our kids were being taken to boarding schools. Um, so this whole system is not designed the same for us. And so, have a little bit of grace with us as we learn and we find our voices in these spaces um, because we're, we're walking in two worlds. We're having to speak up and do things that aren't typical in our culture. Um, and we're having to do it because it's, it's the last thing that we can do um, to try to protect the people that we really, really care about. So I think that would be the best advice um, that I can give non-Indigenous people, um, at least to get involved in some of these efforts that we're working on. Great, thank you so much for for those comments. I have a, a representative killer follow up question that this may be a, a longer answer than we have time for. But but you've been very involved in education and and you know the education system. How how what are the you know the the fun the ways in which the education system can uh, best serve uh, native students? That is, I could go on and on and on about that. Like right. Um, you know, one of the things that we were able to do and that we've been able to do is in our higher ed committee and in our higher ed budget is we put money aside for um, teachers of color and indigenous teachers scholarships because we know it's important for teachers to represent the kids that are in their classroom. I also think it's really important that we need to start investing in STEM programs because I will tell you, and I'm sure Senator Kunish, she's nodding her head, that most every single meeting that we are in and we're talking to the decision makers at the agency levels, at the state and federal levels that are making decisions about Unchi um, Maka and our relatives, they don't look like us. And so we have to start investing in those pathways again so that people are sitting at tables that understand all perspectives of life. If it's gonna impact all communities, why aren't all communities at the tables? And so um, I really hope now that that's been kind of brought to my attention and, and really brought to light in this capacity. That's what I really hope that we can do is, is start to invest in that pathway through STEM um, with BIPOC youth leaders and women in general. You know, we talk about STEM and women, but how do we get a more diverse professional population 
that's making decisions when it's coming to our permits um, because we're seeing it's failing us miserably actually right now. Thank you so much for that, Representative Keeler. We're at, uh, through our No Boundaries to the Boundary Waters program that we're really starting to hit, hit stride with this. Uh, in the upcoming year, we're going to partner with St. Scholastica to, to uh, uh, collect uh, uh, Native elder stories and, uh, and, and incorporate them into our education program to make it more inclusive. We recognize the, uh, the limits of, of what we're doing and we wanna be more inclusive and, and responsive. And, and, and more effective in what we're doing here. So um, there's a, a lot in the education realm that we as an organization hope to contribute in our, our small way as well. And Senator Kunish, from your, your perspective there, uh, you know, what can non-Native uh, people do to be more responsive to, to Native concerns? And Well, definitely educate yourself and uh, don't always rely on those that that um, appear to be the experts or um, are sounding like they are the experts. If there are issues that, that pique your interest, you maybe you read a letter to the editor that's like, hmm, I don't know much about this issue. You know, uh, do the best that you can to educate yourself on issues that that seem to make a big difference, not only to yourselves, but you know, to, to the good of all of the people. Um, look for the experts and then really make an effort to, to do something. Um, <clears throat> you can educate yourself, you can talk about it amongst like-minded friends and neighbors and community members, but talking about it is not enough. You need to take some kind of action. And we can't always tell you exactly what action it might be. Um, it could be writing a letter to the editor. It could be uh, writing a letter, an email, or making a phone call to your legislator. But if we're not there, or we have an assistant that's um, you know, sifting through our information, we might miss those messages. So find ways to in-person talk to, to those that are making a difference and not just at the state level, but you know, look at what, what you can do locally in your municipality. Uh, I served on our park rec and environmental board before I was elected. And we were able to ensure that, that we had green spaces and parks for families and kids to play in, that our creeks and our lakes within our community, as well as the river um, were well cared for, that our trees were healthy. Uh, we, that's a way to make a difference within your community at the county level, at the state level. There are ways to, to, to be heard, um, supporting organizations like Friends of the Boundary Waters and voicing your displeasure with even to the governor. I mean, making those phone calls to the governor's office, you might not get through, but they do keep track of all of those, those people that do call because they want to hear they really do want to hear what what our people, what our community members, what our constituents are are thinking on certain issues. Um, there are different organizations that you can support financially to do the work, such as Friends of the Boundary Water, Minnesota 350. Um, I love the education program that, that you are doing as a teacher of inner city uh, kids. 
I was always just sort of blown away by, and I want to say these poor kids, mostly because they're not exposed to the environment that often most children, you know, kids with privilege have, uh, kids that get to go away to, to uh, camps every year who get to have an, an enhancement coursework class was, and, and programming over the summer. And I remember taking sixth graders to a petting farm as a, as a, a field trip. And these kids driving through the country, never having seen a real cow, um, getting to the little farm and, and seeing sheep and ducks and pigs. I mean, it was life-changing for them in so many ways and things that we take for granted. And just like uh, Representative Keeler said, ensuring that, that the programming that we have in our schools includes STEM education. And especially in those, those inner city schools or the schools that have fewer resources, uh, find out what you can do to, to support those schools, whether it's helping with reading skills, math skills, maybe you are an engineer or you know, have some kind of special skill. There's so many ways that, that we can make change in a positive way, um, not always prescribed by somebody else, but by looking around and looking for that need within your community and finding that, that place to plug your, your skills into. We're going to take a short break here to ask, do you need help planning for your next Boundary Waters trip? Visit our website at friends-bwca.org where you'll find amazing trip resources, route maps, articles, and free guides to prepare for your next BWCA adventure. Representative Keeler, you've been through your first session here at the Minnesota Legislature. What are what are some of the you know what are the th things that that inspire you, and what are some of the things that you find perhaps most most challenging? I think the thing that actually inspires me the most is how engaged our youth are. Like our youth that aren't even voters yet are so invested and engaged in this process, and that fills me with a lot of hope that we're moving in a really powerful direction. Like I just cannot wait for our next generation to step up to the plate. And so that piece is really humbling. Um, as a little girl, like I mentioned, not seeing people who looked like me, being able to have the next generation say, it's like so cool to see all four of you, um, you know, doing what you do and having conversations that my grandma said, you know, she never saw had. Um, but this is a really hard job. And I think that often in places we kind of sugarcoat that, um, but especially in a, in a space that I don't know if many of you have seen the inside of the house chambers, but we sit and serve under a jumbo portrait of President Lincoln. Um, and that the conversations that we have, you know, we're always just defending and fighting um, to be seen and understood. And so that work, comes with a lot of like trauma triggers and historical trauma conversations. Um, but we do it and we do it as a sisterhood. You know, we have a Native American caucus. Um, you know, we don't meet regularly, but when things get difficult, it's really nice to be able to just reach out to Senator Kunish, Representative Jamie Becker Finn, and sometimes even Lieutenant Governor Flanagan joins in with us because um, 
this work is hard. You know, the system wasn't designed for us to be here. And, and quite frankly, it was designed to dispose us. So, you know, we're like fighting a system that doesn't want us here every single day. We saw that when um, line three water protectors went to the Capitol because they'd been fighting to be heard and have a conversation. And all of a sudden the gates went back up around the Capitol. Um, like that to me was the clear visual of, of what our government feels like sometimes. Um, and so the support and the continued um, efforts of all of you um, to do this work is also really grounding and humbling because we know that we're not in it alone. Um, and that makes the hard days much better. I can tell you that. Thank you, Representative Keeler. I think the upcoming generations inspiring to, to all of us that energy and optimism that uh, that and engagement that that that's out there uh, you know representative Keeler kind of following up on being at the the, the capital and seeing those sort of uh, 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 symbols of trauma that are that are out there you know people often say that, uh, non-native people might say that oh these treaties uh, give native people special rights can can you kind of Co correct that perspective and, and, and talk about uh, the, the retained rights within within treaties and, and why the, the that perspective is so wrong. So that again is another jumbo topic. Mm -hmm. um, I mean treaties were designed, we gave up uh, millions of acres of land in exchange for Bureau of Indian Affairs and services like Indian Healthcare Services, Bureau of Indian Education, um, you know, those systems dramatically are underfunded. They're always systems and agencies that are on the chopping block when people want to shave down the budget. Um, you know, like we don't really have a whole lot of perks, you know, that in that sense, like people think we all go to school for free. People think we just get per cap all the time. Like that's not... <laughs> I, I know I don't. Um, I know some tribes have done economic development really well, and they do have some investment and payout plans that are really beneficial for their members, but that's not really typical. Um, to be an enrolled member, you know, I, again, I, this other side of what I do for life could talk about this for a really long time, but, um, you know, to be even eligible for enrollment to receive these quote unquote benefits is through blood quantum and the only other living things that utilize blood quantum are horses and dogs for breeding purposes. Uh, to me, it's a numerical genocide. It's not a way to document us, you know, to be able to utilize services at the end of the day, um, we're a government to government relationship and those were the agreements. Um, and so it's not like we're just getting things for free. You're standing on the land that we gave up to hopefully receive something back um, in exchange. And we didn't give them up lightly. It's not, I mean, if you see pictures, our tribal leaders, are in tears. You could see the stress on their face as they're doing this because it, um, they, they, we were forced to do things to save our families, even if it meant we lived in smaller, smaller land plots. So uh, it's a huge misconception to believe that we have a lot of like perks or benefits, um, other than the fact that we're part of a, a beautiful, resilient culture that continues to be alive and well and strong and growing. Um, our census shows that we actually grew, uh, which says we, we're here, we're not going anywhere. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Representative Keeler there. And uh, Senator uh, Kunish, you know, we're uh, getting near the, the end of our program here. Are there some final thoughts that you want to leave our leave our audience with here? Well, I do appreciate um, this invitation to join you over your lunch hour and to discuss these issues. 
Again, as, as an educator of 25 years, I find that a lot of the work that I do at the state legislature and, um, and outside of the legislature is educating folks on issues, especially issues that affect our American Indian uh, communities. And when we talk about uh, preserving our environment, acknowledging um, the sovereignty and the treaties that we have here in Minnesota, uh, the fact that that you all are listening to these today, what do I see? There's 102 people on this 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 Zoom. That's um, what is it? 98 people that are maybe learned something new or we confirmed something that you thought about. Uh, the issues just aren't just around um, treaty rights or water rights like line three or the mines, but also the human rights of our native communities. Uh, Representative Keeler and I uh, passed that legislation to create the first in the nation missing and murdered indigenous relatives office because our native women, girls, boys, and two spirits have the highest rates of violence of any other group right there with our, um, our black women and children. And this is, these are issues that we are all responsible for, no matter where we originated from, where we um, moved from, what, whatever our socioeconomic status is, how much education we have. Uh, we have a responsibility, a moral responsibility for the well-being of every single person in our state. That's what us, we legislators um, were elected to do, look out for all of Minnesotans. But that doesn't mean we're the only ones to do it. And so uh, we, I appreciate so much that you joining us here today, uh, but I would encourage you again to, to continue to educate yourself around issues, not just for our native communities, but all of those that have, um, you know, terrible disparities in health uh, services, education, um, strong, you know, good paying jobs, stable, affordable housing. Those are all things that make a good community, that make a good state. And, and I hope that those of you on this Zoom will, will join us um, in this plight to ensure that, that all Minnesotans have the opportunity to thrive and have a healthy, happy, and prosperous life um, as we go forward. So Wopala uh, Tanka and Chi Miigwech for being here today. Thank you so much, uh, Senator Kulinish and Representative uh, Keeler. Some uh, final words for our, our audience tonight or today. Same as what Senator Kunish said. Um, I didn't realize there was 102 people on here until you said that. I was really <laughs> like, um, but thank all of you. Uh, you know, I mean, I see a lot of things telling us thank you, but really we can't do our work without you all. Um, you share information with us that's so important for us to make knowledgeable and informed decisions. And that matters. Um, you know, we, we get pulled in a lot of directions and being a grassroots organizer for so long before being a politician, um, we need to do better at building that bridge and really working together. Um, because I am not on the grass roots level like I was and you, it's amazing how much you get out of touch with some of those things and so you know some of the most trusted conversations that I have are with my leaders um, you know who are out in these areas and really working on these issues so 
your work is so important and your work is so vital and we just appreciate um, all of the support that you provide. Uh, you know, there's things that you can do on the ground. You can make phone calls, you can write letters, you can send postcards from your home. Like in we've seen, you do that from all capacities in the last, you know, feels like two years now with COVID. Um, and I think COVID has provided a lane for these bigger systems to really just rip through Mother Earth um, because we're not able to show up in the capacity in person that we used to because we care and love each other and we want each other to be safe and healthy through COVID. Um, and so I know it's been really a hard couple years um, and we see you and we know that this is really hard work. Uh, we do this and we're all here because we're really passionate about this work. And when we're passionate, pain comes with that. Um, but growing pains hurt, but we grow in the right direction as long as we're all growing together. Um, and so we, I know that I speak for myself and Senator Kunish that we do not want to do this work alone. Uh, yeah. We want to do this work with you and for you and, and not just alone. So Kilam, thank you for everything. Thank you, Representative Taylor. Thank you, Senator Kunish and your, your words about the importance of working with community and working with, with people is, is so important. And, uh, we're so grateful for your, your leadership on this. Uh, thank you to everyone watching, but, but also especially thank you, Representative Keeler, and thank you, um, Senator Kunish, we're, we're very grateful. So, Chi Megwich, Pumaya Ye, and thank you again. Have a, a great afternoon, bye-bye. Bye now, everybody, take care. Bye, see you. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast is a production of Friends of the Boundary Waters. We are a community of people who love the Boundary Waters, and we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at our website, friends-bwca.org. Again, that is friends-bwca.org. Please join us again for our next Friends of the Boundary Waters podcast.